you know, sometimes you can make cakes with soda. But I surprised this question on you because it's celebration time. Oh, um, nice. You know, this past weekend when we were recording, we just had First Holy Communion confirmations here just in a few weeks. We have Easter in the Easter season. Um, and then ultimately at the end of a celebration, oftentimes you end with cake. Mm-hmm. And so our last podcast for the year um, deserves a little piece of cake for us to celebrate. Yeah, we start with some cake. That's great. What's your favorite type? I think carrot cake. Okay. Yeah, you might call me a health nut, and I am, but... There is something about a good carrot cake with some nuts in it. It just is so savory. Yeah, it is good. I do like carrot cake. Yeah, so our last podcast we left off um, just in the reception of Holy Communion, talking about that moment. And in the Mass, when we move on from there, we really come to an opportunity to abide together. So we've received Holy Communion, we've returned to our pews, and what do we do next? Do we look around at everybody else going to communion? Are we distracted by the communion song? Or are we looking into our hearts with our Lord Jesus and spending time with him? Because ultimately, this is the opportunity that we have. Um, It's the best time to abide with Jesus in personal prayer, with Jesus in the heart, both from your heart. And so that's just one thing that we wanted to highlight as we conclude our walk through the masses let's not skimp on this time to be just personal with our lord jesus and recognize the gift that he has given us in this time and i offered those what do we do after this because sometimes i find myself getting distracted by the other people Mm -hmm. going to communion by the song or whatever Um, and even too i can be weak in this moment and not recognize the opportunity that I have. So as we continue to talk about some of these lower than that challenges to really just take the moment for what it is and spend time with him. And then I wanted to highlight too, just one thing that was influential for me thinking about this moment for our listeners. And this is after Holy Communion's all wrapped up and the priest has purified the vessels He goes and sits. And for the most part, the congregation goes from kneeling to sitting. And so Jesus and the priest sits in victory, and then we sit with him. And I found a parallel for that in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 22, when our Lord says, You are those who have continued with me in my trials. As my Father appointed a kingdom for me, so do I appoint for you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So we look at that verse. Hopefully we're the ones who have continued with him in his trials as over the course of the week, we've been the mouth and the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world around us. And then we've eaten and have drunk with the Lord Jesus at table in this Eucharistic sacrifice. And then now... We sit so that we are setting things right with the Lord. And that's what it means to judge. So when we judge, we might think of a spelling bee, but really it is a judge sets things right. And a king does that from his throne to make decisions. And so he invites us into that mission. It's not just sitting there out of laziness, 
or a sign of irreverence, as I can admit I was one to think. It's more holy to kneel all the time, but there's that aspect of we sit in victory with our Lord Jesus. And so take that moment for what it is as well in the Mass of why we sit. I, I used to definitely have that same mindset of, yeah, like it's just better to kneel. But just another example of where like the church is a mother and just knows so much better than I do. You know, like I see this happening at Mass and I'm like, well, that is, you know, that's not as holy. I can do better. Um, but then it's like later I'm like, oh, there's actually a reason for it. Um, that was definitely one for me too of just, yeah, what a beautiful idea of, like, sitting in victory with Jesus and just, like, basking and resting in that in that victory. So that moves us into the concluding rites of, so everyone's received the, our Lord in the Eucharist that's ready and their hearts are ready, and now um, we're going to be dismissed. So um, there's a couple different parts to it, but I'm going to focus in, you know, right on on the words that Father uses to dismiss us. Um, there's a few different options, but basically all of them are like, go in peace, right, to go. Recently listening to a homily by Bishop Barron. Um, I'm a little bit of a Bishop Barron homily junkie. I, I just very much enjoy his tone and his take on things. Um, he was talking about Genesis, the first chapters of Genesis, and you hear in there, God talking to Adam and Eve, and he's saying that, you know, you can eat of all the trees in the garden. A lot of people focus in on, like, you can't eat that from this one, and, like, so, like, don't do, you know, like, this restriction. God does give a restriction, but so many times we gloss over, he called it, like, the church fathers call it, the great permission. Like, have life have enjoyment like this whole garden is for you and the one thing he bans is the thing that would bring death so he god is like for life he is for enjoyment he gives this great permission for it to adam and eve and so i was kind of thinking we i have done this before and i think people can do this a little bit with the church as far as like all of these restrictions that we have as Catholics, like I have to go to mass on Sunday, um, no contraception, no this, no that. But all of those are like, those are things that bring death. Um, where really the Lord through the church is giving this great permission to, to go out and live fully like go out and live how i've created you which is for fullness and for life um and so i was thinking of this part at the end of the mass as like this great permission like in genesis like go in peace go out and have my peace with you and take it with you to the world like live in it spread it this is what you're made for um so to see that that sending out not as a like check, I've done what I need to do as a Catholic, but rather as this great permission to go live life to the full, which is with him in his commandments, in his will, in his goodness.
Yeah, so it, it just struck me as like the end of Mass is like a great permission to go have a full life in Him. Like, He's with you, go. It's so, like, so opposed to that mindset of like, ugh, God, God demands all these things of me. So. And that's what's attractive too, because as we see a universal mission, you, us, living that life is going to be attractive to the world because it is life, it's not death, and it's going to draw people back in. In the same moment I was thinking of the end of Mass as that, I also like recognized the challenge there. Um, it's, a, it's a great permission, um, but because of original sin, like it is, it is like hard to choose the good. I, like it is hard for me to choose the good. I was recently... So all my thoughts are stolen from other people. So I was recently <laughs> reading um, a quote from Mother Mary Frances, who's she was a poor Claire of uh, in in New Mexico. It's the place where the like has an alien convention. Roswell. Roswell, yes, in Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> um, so she, anyway, that's where that's where the poor poor Claire monastery was. Um, just a really good challenge I ran into in one of her books where she was talking about, you know, as sisters, like we need to look with wonder at our vocation, like just to constantly be looking at it with wonder. And the more we look at it with wonder, like the more we want it and love it and want to live it. Um, but then, so look at it with wonder is kind of the start and love, but then it does lead to like a holy fear of like this what have I done to deserve such graces? Mm. It's like nothing. I've done nothing. Um, not in a belittling way, but just like in seeing God's great goodness and gift. But then it like it brings that holy fear of like, what have I done with my vocation? And not, it didn't feel like a condemning way or like a judgment way, but just like this, if I reverence these great gifts of God, it naturally leads to that. Like, what have I done? What more can I give? And I think the end of Mass also invites us to that, like, what have I done? You, you, so if we look at all the gifts of the Mass, the gifts of our life, it should kind of naturally lead us to this holy fear and questions like, what have I done with my baptismal graces and the promises I made, my parents made, and I have taken up? What have I done with the forgiveness I've received in confession? What have I done with... Jesus coming to me in the Eucharist, what have I done with the graces of confirmation? Um, again, not in a way where it's like, it's all about me and I'm the one who does everything, because that is a recipe for a train wreck, but, but more in a way of just checking, like, have I entrusted my life to those graces? Like, God has given these great gifts. Have I entrusted my life there and put my trust there? Or am I still kind of in the mindset of, like, I leave Mass and it's like, okay, now it's time to start my life and my plans again. Like, this is me every day after school Mass, where it's like, time for my plans now. Yeah, I think just an invitation to, like, entrust our lives to the real graces we receive. Yeah, I just want to be a witness to, over the course, just to rely on those graces because I went from being uh, an atheist in high school to being where I'm at now. And our Lord just or worked on my heart continually. Um, and coming back to the faith in college, I really saw things begin to change. And of course, I'm going to run through a 
few like big moments, but I hope happened over the course of seven years. So it was just that daily being open to grace that continued to, um, our Lord continued to draw me to himself. So trust in God's providence as he sends you out and be open to the grace and to be following where he calls. Um, because ultimately, like, I went to college at Concordia for track and field, but track and field led me to meet my wife and led me to the vocation of marriage. And then when Kelly and I were married, it led us to Kansas where she was a track coach at Baker University. And I didn't expect to move to Kansas. I graduated with an exercise science degree and that helped me slash forced me to find uh, new work elsewhere when the prospects of using that degree and that field of study didn't allow me to provide for my family and Mm. duty called. And so it caused both Kelly and I to grow in the life of grace and grow in our vocation together as we struggled through those hard days and figuring things out. Um, But then ultimately the Holy Spirit through track and field um, moved us around in Kansas to a few different locations. But then along the way we met new people and they invited us um, to encounter our Lord deeper. So I met my spiritual father, Father Farrar, um, who brought me into parish ministry and then ultimately um, helped bring me here to St. Peter. And so I definitely can spend a lot more sharing how, um, sharing my gifts providentially. So looking at how the Lord had worked in my life up to that point, not in the way that I would have planned, but then the gifts they had given me that made me successful in college um, could translate to be successful um, for his kingdom in working at the parish in, in my own personal life. Um, and that all would never happened if I wouldn't have followed his plans. So you might think, I don't know what I've been doing, kind of how you're saying. What have I done with my vocation? Those baptismal graces that you received back at your baptism it's not a story of what happened then. It's a story of what's happening now. So um, just an opportunity for us as we conclude the podcast and then as we reflect on going in peace to begin again mm-hmm. and lower the nets to be open to God's grace. A question for you, and I, I guess I, for me too, I, I've thought about it a little bit. I think it connects with what you were saying of, yeah, so those big examples of, like, yeah, here was God working. Now I can look back and see. But, yeah, like you said, when we go out for Mass, it's not a matter of, like, okay, what am, you know, you know, let's see the big picture. It's just going to happen in small moments, you know. So when I leave and I'm leaving Mass and I'm going into the classroom, how can I entrust my life to His grace right there versus, um, you know, okay, Mass is over and now it's back to my life, my plans. I was just wondering, I thought of some, I have a few like phrases that are like red flags. I'm like, oh, here I am living the my life, my plan mentality. Like one of mine is like, I need to do this. You know, no, like the emphasis is on I and need, like I need to get this done. Like I can be so blind and it's just like missing, like probably all this help that the Lord is trying to give, but cause it's like, I need to get this done is one of my red flags. Or even definitely like, I really want this. I, when I'm just like so focused on it and just like that, like, 
I'm too busy, too busy, too busy, too busy. Those are like those like record player thoughts that go in my head that are when I'm aware enough, I'm like, okay, red flag here. I'm not entrusting my life to his grace. Do you have any red flag record player thoughts? No, I think, sister, you're a little bit more um, perceptive than I am because usually <laughs> it ends up with the, like, tension and the emotions afterwards of realizing I'm stuck in a pickle and, oh, shoot, I missed the red flags. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no. even that, I mean, that's, like, even to notice, like, Oh, the tension, you know, and then you're like, okay, yeah. I think it's a, it's like a bodily red flag. Yeah, and just hearing you there too. Um, I guess we'll kind of end with the lower than that challenge because I was thinking about some of the specific moments at mass mm-hmm. or just um, seeing how my life changed when I started to go to daily mass. That was the first step. Mm-hmm. And then when I actually began to spend more time in my interior life, and spend um, each day a period of the time, a period of time in mental prayer, in conversation with our Lord, then I really noticed my life in the graces that I was noticing flourish. And so I can think of some of those specific moments where I was just kind of doing the action, but ultimately it led me into deeper intimacy mm-hmm. with our Lord Jesus. Um, and that's our Lord and that's challenge as we conclude the podcast for this year. Um, make attending at least one daily mass a family habit once a week for the rest of time, really. Um, but <laughs> it's, make the summer the goal. Or yeah, the summer the goal. But um, I can be I can speak to the beauty of being able to encounter our Lord Jesus in the Eucharist daily um, and unite our, uniting myself to the sacrifice of the Mass um, and the grace that it affords in life. Thought that's not my own. I've got another one. Um, St. Edith Stein, she was writing an essay. Um, and she was in, this was before she was a sister. And she was inviting people to go to daily Mass. And she, she started to say, like, I do real like, and I can, I can hear you saying and thinking of like, do you realize like my schedule? Do you realize like how much I would have to change my life to make that happen? And then she said, yeah. And then just the way she, she like just went right into this of like, is that not what following God is all about? That I am not God and he is. And he, he calls us to change our life. Like, he, he calls us to to be continually growing closer to him. Um, so she said, "Is yeah, you know, and then basically coming back to, yes, it is a call that will change your life. And let it be like, let's rejoice that it will change our life to be more like him. So we realize it's a big challenge. Like, yeah. it's, it's a big, we're dropping the bomb lower the nets challenge <laughs> on the last one. Here's the honey for the challenge, though. So... Daily Mass is usually shorter than Sunday Mass. And so sometimes I will say if you find Daily Mass or Sunday Mass hard for your family, um, going to Daily Mass actually helps strengthen the practice of the Sunday Mass because it's kind of like at a sports practice, you don't practice like you're playing a game. You usually break it down into smaller components and work on specific skills. Uh, and so the daily mass is not as full as a Sunday mass. You're not saying the creed. Um, so uh, that's maybe an imperfect example, but in the sense of 
the small doses of being in the church, of ordering ourselves at Mass. If your family is like, oh, it's hard to do once a week, well, actually doing it more is going to help you become better at the practice yeah. of the Mass and participating in it. So um, the more that we do it, the more it becomes habitual. And that's actually one of the blessings of like spending more time at the church at Mass. So it, you'll actually find that it might possibly make Sundays a little bit easier the more that you do it. Well, I think that that wraps us up for, it does. for this sacramental year. Um, we're rejoicing with you, we're praying for you, uh, having that the permission, that great permission to, to go and live in his peace and bring that peace to everyone you meet this summer. Amen. God bless everybody. Us up for, it does. For this sacramental year, um, we're rejoicing with you, we're praying for you, uh, having that the permission, that great permission to, to go and live in his peace and bring that peace to everyone you meet this summer. Amen. God bless everybody. Thank you for listening to this great content from St. Peter Catholic Church. For more content, for other talks, for more information, please visit St. Peter Catholic Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, on Apple iTunes or on Podbean, and at our parish website, stpeterlincoln.com. God bless you.